Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Today, we're studying ancient spiritualism. What is the Bible going to tell us about that? Let's ask the Lord to help us understand. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord, that we can study history in your word. I pray you would help us to understand what it was about and what it looks like today. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to start by opening to Exodus chapter 7, 11 to 13. Exodus chapter 7, 11 to 13. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt... They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Sorcerers, which were spiritualist mediums, influenced Pharaoh. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 19. Oh, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19.31. The Bible says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards, to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And chapter 20, verse 6 says, and the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. And verse 27, of the same chapter 20, verse 27, A man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Exodus twenty-two, eighteen. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Deuteronomy eighteen, ten to twelve. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, which is like horoscopes, or an enchanter, or a witch. Spiritualist mediums, anciently called witches and wizards, were an abomination. Let's read about them in The Great Controversy, page 556. That none need be deceived by the lying claims of spiritualism. God has given the world sufficient light to enable them to discover the snare. As already shown, the theory which forms the very foundation of spiritualism is at war with the plainest statements of Scripture. The Bible declares that the dead know not anything, that their thoughts have perished, 
They have no part in anything that is done under the sun. They know nothing of the joys or sorrows of those who were dearest to them on earth. Furthermore, God has expressly forbidden all pretended communication with departed spirits. In the days of the Hebrews, there was a class of people who claimed, as do the spiritualists of today, to hold communication with the dead. But the familiar spirits, as these visitants from other worlds are were called, are declared by the Bible to be the spirits of devils. The work of dealing with familiar spirits was pronounced an abomination to the Lord and was solemnly forbidden under penalty of death. The very name of witchcraft is now held in contempt. The claim that men can hold intercourse with evil spirits is regarded as a fable of the Dark Ages. But spiritualism, which numbers its converts by hundreds of thousands, yea, by millions, which has made its way into scientific circles, which has invaded churches, and has found favor in legislative bodies, and even in the courts of kings, this mammoth deception is but a revival and a new disguise of the witchcraft condemned and prohibited of old. So they're spirits of devils, the fallen angels that were thrown out of heaven, cast out of heaven by God with Satan, who want to destroy us, who are communicating with us, and those who do so are putting themselves in terrible danger. That's why the Lord deals with it so strongly. Let's turn to Second Kings chapter 1. Second Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through lattice in his upper chamber, that was in Samaria, and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messenger of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. So these evil spirits were consulted in case of sickness. Let's read in Testimonies, Volume 5, pages 191 to 199. It's titled, Shall We Consult Spiritualist Physicians? Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and he was sick. And he sent messengers, and he said unto them, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore... Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. This narrative most strikingly displays the divine displeasure against those who turn from God to satanic agencies. A short time previous to the events above recorded, the kingdom of Israel had changed rulers. Ahab had fallen under the judgment of God, 
and had been succeeded by his son Ahaziah, a worthless character, who did only evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the ways of his father and mother, and causing Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger, as his father Ahab had done, but judgments followed close upon the sins of the rebellious king. A war with Moab, and then the accident by which his own life was threatened, attested the wrath of God against Ahaziah. How much had the king of Israel heard and seen in his father's time? Excuse me a second. I've got to deal with this. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I had a little interruption with my kitty. All right, here we are. We're back. How much had the king of Israel heard and seen in his father's time of the wondrous works of the Most High? What terrible evidence of his severity and jealousy had God given apostate Israel? Of all this, Ahaziah was cognizant, yet he acts as though these awful realities and even the fearful end of his own father were only an idle tale. Instead of humbling his heart before the Lord, he ventured upon the most daring act of impiety which marked his life. He commands his servants, Go, inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. The idol of Ekron was supposed to give information through the medium of its priests concerning future events. It had obtained such general credence that it was resorted to by large numbers from a considerable distance. The predictions there uttered and the information given proceeded directly from the Prince of Darkness. It is Satan who created and who maintains the worship of idols to divert the minds of men from God. It is by his agency that the kingdom of darkness and falsehood is supported. The history of King Ahaziah's sin and punishment has a lesson of warning which none can disregard with impunity. Though we do not pay homage to heathen gods, yet thousands are worshipping at the very Satan's, I'm sorry, worshipping at Satan's shrine, as verily as did the king of Israel. The very spirit of heathen idolatry is rife today, though under the influence of science and education it has assumed a more refined and attractive form. Every day adds sorrowful evidence that faith in the sure word of prophecy is fast decreasing and that in its stead superstition and satanic witchery are captivating the minds of men. All who do not earnestly search the scriptures and submit every desire and purpose to that unerring um, test. Oh, I'm sorry, my book has just been scribbled on by somebody. Submit every desire and purpose of, of life to that unerring test or who do not seek God in prayer for a knowledge of his will, will surely wander from the right path and fall under the deception of Satan. So you see, it's Satan's way of deceiving people. The heathen oracles gave, I'm reading again, the heathen oracles gave their counterparts in the spiritualistic mediums, the clairvoyants and the fortune tellers of today, or they have their counterparts. The mystic voices that spoke at Ekron and Endor are still by their lying words misleading the children of men. So I have heard um, 
Francois Duplessis talked about in one of his videos, he was an um, archaeologist from South Africa, uh, a biblical archaeologist. He said that these statues, they actually heard voices through these statues because evil spirits spoke through these two people this way. And they uh, listened, heard their voices, so it was pretty amazing. The Prince of Darkness has but appeared, I'm back to my book here. <laughs> the Prince of Darkness has but appeared under a new guise. The mysteries of heathen worship are replaced by the secret associations and seances, the obscurities and wonders of the sorcerers of our time. Their disclosures are eagerly received by thousands who refuse to accept light from God's word or from his spirit. While they speak with scorn of the magician of old, the great, the great deceiver laughs in triumph as they yield to his arts under a different form. His agents still claim to cure disease. They attribute their power to Electricity, magnetism, or the so-called sympathetic remedies. Now, this electricity and magnetism refers to hypnotism. I've researched that extensively, but I don't have any of my references here today. It has to do with hypnotism, um, which, oh, okay, I'm not going to go there. Okay, In truth, they are but channels for Satan's electric currents. By this means, he casts his spells over the bodies and souls of men through hypnotism. He casting his spells. That's interesting. Ew. Um, very important. So they're just allowing themselves to be hypnotized. I have from time to time received letters, both from ministers and lay members of the church, inquiring if I think it is wrong to consult spiritualists and clairvoyant physicians. I have not answered these letters for want of time, but just now... The subject is again urged upon my attention. So numerous are these agents of Satan becoming, and so general is the practice of seeking counsel from them, that it seems needful to utter words of warning. God has placed it in our power to obtain a knowledge of the laws of health. He's made it our duty to preserve our physical powers in the best possible condition that we may render to him acceptable service. Those who refuse to improve the light and knowledge that has been mercifully placed within their reach, are rejecting one of the means which God has granted them to promote spiritual as well as physical life. They are placing themselves where they will be exposed to the delusions of Satan. Not a few in this Christian age and Christian nation resort to evil spirits rather than trust to the power of the living God. The mother, watching by the sickbed of her child, exclaims, I can do no more. Is there no physician who has power to restore my child. She's told of the wonderful cures performed by some clairvoyant or magnetic healer um, or hypnotist, and she trusts her dear one to his charge, placing it as verily in the hands of Satan as if he were standing by her side. In many instances, the future life of the child is controlled by a satanic power which it seems impossible to break. Many are unwilling to put forth the needful effort to obtain a knowledge of the laws of life, and thus, and thus, and the simple means to be employed for the restoration of health, they do not place themselves in right relation to life. When sickness is the result of their transgression of natural law, they do not seek to correct their errors and then ask the blessing of God, but they resort to physicians. If they recover health, they give. If they recover, if they recover health. They give to drugs and doctors all the honor, and they are ever ready to idolize human power and wisdom, seeming to know no other god than the creatures 
dust and ashes. I have heard a mother pleading with some infidel physician to save the life of her child. But when I entreated her to seek help from the great physician, who was able to save to the uttermost all who come unto him in faith, she turned away with impatience. Here we see the same spirit that was manifested by Ahaziah. It's not safe to trust to physicians who have not the fear of God before them. Without the influences of divine grace, the hearts of men are deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Self-aggrandizement is their sin. Is their, I'm sorry, is their aim. Under the cover of the medical profession, what iniquities have been concealed, what delusions supported. The physician may claim to possess great wisdom and marvelous skill, when his character is abandoned and his practice contrary to the laws of life. The Lord our God assures us that he's waiting to be gracious. He invites us to call upon him in the day of trouble. How can we turn from him to trust in an arm of flesh? Go with me to yonder sick room. Okay, there we go. There lies a husband and father. He's a man who is a blessing to society and to the cause of God. Suddenly he has been stricken down by disease. The fire of fever seems to seems consuming him. He longs for pure water to moisten the parched lips, to quench the raging thirst, and cool the fevered brow. But no, the doctor has forbidden water. The stimulus of strong drink is given and adds fuel to the fire. The blessed heaven-sent water, skillfully applied, would quench the devouring flame, but it is set aside for poisonous drugs. For a time, nature wrestles for her rights. But at last overcome, she gives up the contest, and death sets the sufferer free. God desired that man to live and to be a blessing to the world. Satan determined to destroy him, and through the agency of the physician he succeeded. How long shall we permit our most precious lights to be thus extinguished? Wow, one of these days I'm going to share a testimony of my personal experience. But today I don't have time. Ahaziah sent his servants to inquire of Baalzebub at Ekron, but instead of a message from the idol, he hears the awful denunciation from the God of Israel. Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. I think I need a drink of water. Hold on one second. It was Christ that bade Elijah speak these words to the apostate king. Jehovah Emmanuel had cause to be greatly displeased at Ahaziah's impiety. What had Christ not done to win the hearts of sinners and to inspire them with unwavering confidence in himself? For ages, he had visited his people with manifestations of the most condescending kindness, an unexampled love. From the times of the patriarchs, he had shown how his delights were with the sons of men. He had been a very present help to all who sought him in sincerity. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. Yet Israel had revolted from God and turned for help to the Lord's worst enemy. The Hebrews were the only nation favored with the knowledge of the true God. When the king of Israel sent to inquire of a pagan oracle, he proclaimed to the heathen that he had more confidence in their idols than in the God of his people, the creator of the heavens and the earth. In the same manner do those who profess to have a knowledge of God's word dishonor him when they turn from the source of strength and wisdom to ask help or counsel from the powers of darkness. 
If God's wrath was kindled by such a course on the part of a wicked, idolatrous king, how can he regard a similar course pursued by those who profess to be his servants? Yeah, what does he think about us when we do things like that? Why is it that men are so unwilling to trust him who created man and who can, by a touch, a word, a look, heal all manner of disease? Who is more worthy of our confidence than the one who made so great a sacrifice for our redemption? Our Lord has given us definite instructions through the Apostle James as to our duty in case of sickness. Oh, we should look that up. When human help fails, God will, God will be the helper of his people. Here it is. Uh, are any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. I've often wondered if that, the name of the Lord referred to in that verse is uh, how God declared himself to be to Moses when he passed before him and said, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. If that's the name we are to pray over people in. <clears throat> Instead of just the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm, I haven't thought that out really. So <clears throat> I'll leave it to you to use your good judgment. That uh, I need more water. Hold on. That's better. This is a little long reading, but we're almost finished with it. Let's see. God has granted to this people great light, yet we're not placed beyond the reach of temptation. <clears throat> Hold on a second. An invalid, apparently very conscientious, yet bigoted and self-sufficient, freely avows his contempt for the laws of health and life which divine mercy has led us as a people to accept. His food must be prepared in a manner to satisfy his morbid cravings. Rather than sit at a table where wholesome food is provided, he will patronize restaurants because he can, eat, he can there indulge appetite without restraint. A fluent advocate of temperance, he disregards its foundation principles. He wants relief, but refuses to obtain it at the price of self-denial. That's what most of us do wrong. We don't deny our appetites. And there's reasons why. And when Wednesday nights we were reading, The Cursed Causeless Shall Not Come. And most of these foods are very acidic and throw off our balance in our body so that our body can't function properly, puts a burden on our liver. But we're not here for that right now. So... He wants relief, but he refuses to obtain it at the price of self-denial. That man is worshipping at the shrine of perverted appetite. He's an idolater. The powers which, sanctified and ennobled, might be employed to honor God are weakened and rendered of little service. An irritable temper, a confused brain, unstrung nerves are among the results of his disregard of nature's laws. He's inefficient and reliable. Whoever has the courage and honesty to warn him of danger thereby incurs his displeasure. The slightest remonstrance or opposition is sufficient to rouse his combative spirit. Boy, have you ever told somebody to give up their meat before and see what happens? But now an opportunity is presented to seek help from one whose power comes through the medium of witchcraft. Okay, so he can't get what he wants 
um, he can't get well. Eating what he wants, he can't get well. And he refuses to follow God's plan. So he goes to witchcraft physicians. And there's a history of the witchcraft in uh, physician, the work of physicians, which we're not going to look at right now. But um, to this source, he applies with eagerness, freely expending time and money in hope of securing the proffered boon. He's deceived, infatuated. The sorcerer's power is made the theme of praise, and others are influenced to seek his aid. Thus the God of Israel is dishonored, while Satan's power is revered and exalted. In the name of Christ, I would address his professed followers. Abide in the faith which you have received from the beginning. Shun profane and vain babblings. Instead of putting your trust in witchcraft, have faith in the living God. Cursed is the path that leads to the Endor or to Ekron. The feet will stumble and fall that venture upon the forbidden ground. There is a God in Israel with whom is deliverance for all that are oppressed. Righteousness is the habitation of his throne. There is danger in departing in the least from the Lord's instruction. And uh, it kind of, well, I'm starting to get a picture here, aren't you? Of how much people in the world today are following Satan and they don't realize it. Okay, first of all, um, Satan preached the first sermon to Eve about the state of the dead, telling him that when you die, you're not dead. Uh, um, right, you become a spirit and go to heaven and be as gods. And so people are believing that, okay, first of all. And then, and then they're not living healthfully and following God's plan, which he told us what our diet was in Genesis. And it's fruits and grains and nuts and seeds and vegetables and fruits. At that time, we didn't have the vegetables until after the fall. And then we had a different, a change of need, um, a change of physical needs. But people fell to eating meat before the flood and they ended up having to be killed with the flood. But how much people today are following Satan's plan uh, eating wrong so that their brain can't work right, so that they can't feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit. They're keeping Satan's day, which is Sunday, the day of sun worship. They're believing in the Trinity, which is Satan's development, which was um, established by Rome, as, as was, well, Constantine actually established Sunday, but Rome claims it as their own. They actually changed it. And all Protestantism who you follow that are following Rome, who follows Satan. So it's amazing how much, okay, people are looking to spiritualism, messages from the dead, um, keeping Satan's Sabbath, be believing in his ways and following him, and they don't realize that he has them deceived. Anyway, back to my book. I, I really don't want to offend anybody. Seriously, I'm talking about these things so that you can think about them and uh, be stirred up and search it out on your own. So, okay, back to my book. Angels of God, oh, wait a minute. Okay, when we deviate from the plain path of duty, a train of circumstances will arise that seems irresistibly to draw us farther and farther from the right. Needless intimacies with those who have no respect for God will seduce us ere we are aware. Fear to offend worldly friends will deter us from expressing our gratitude to God or acknowledging our dependence upon him. We must keep close to the word of God. We need its warnings and encouragement, its threatenings and promises. We need the perfect example given only in the life and character of our Savior. This is a life and death uh, 
experiment, not an experiment, that we are in on this planet. It's not a game. Angels of God will preserve his people while they walk in the path of duty, but there's no assurance of such protection for those who deliberately venture upon Satan's ground. An agent of the great deceiver will say and do anything to gain his object. It matters little whether he calls himself a spiritualist, an electric physician, or a magnetic healer. By specious pretenses, he wins the confidence of the unwary. He pretends to read the life history and to understand all the difficulties and afflictions of those who resort to him, disguising himself as an angel of light while the blackness of the pit is in his heart. He manifests great interest in women who seek his counsel. He tells them that all their troubles are due to an unhappy marriage. This may be true, but such a counselor does not better their condition. He tells them that they need love and sympathy, pretending great interest in their welfare. He casts a spell over his unsuspecting victims, charming them as the serpent charms the trembling bird. Soon they are completely in his power. Sin, disgrace, and ruin are the terrible sequel. These workers of iniquity are not few. Their path is marked by desolate homes, blasted reputations, broken hearts. But of all this, the world knows little, and still they go on making fresh victims. Hmm. Could the veil be lifted, we would see evil angels pressing their darkness around us and working with all their power to deceive and destroy. Wicked men are surrounded, influenced, and aided by evil spirits. The man of faith and prayer has yielded his soul to divine guidance. And angels of God bring to him light and strength from heaven. So we need to be like that man of God in faith and prayer. No man can serve two masters. Light and darkness are no more opposites than are the service of God and the service of Satan. The prophet Elijah presented the matter in the true light when he fearlessly appealed to the apostate Israel. If the Lord be God, serve him, but if Baal, serve him. Those who give themselves up to the sorcery of Satan may boast of great benefit and receive received thereby, but does this prove their course to be wise or safe? What if life should be prolonged? What if temporal gain should be secured? Will it pay in the end to disregard the will of God? All such apparent gain will prove at last an irrecoverable loss. We cannot with impunity break down a single barrier which God has erected to guard his people from Satan's power. Our only safety is in preserving the ancient landmarks. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's the end of our reading, and I know it was long, but I, I found it quite good. I hope you got some blessing from it. So, let's see. No more book readings. Now it's just Bible verses. First um, Samuel 28, 8 and 11. First Samuel 28. Hold on a second. I'm going to adjust my screen here. Okay, there. First Samuel 28, 8 and 11. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. 
Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring up Sam, bring me up Samuel. Familiar spirits profess to be spirits of dead people. First Chronicles ten thirteen. And the king answered them roughly, and King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men. Hmm. First Chronicles 10 through... Oh, I'm in the wrong place. Ah, I knew something was wrong. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. We'll ignore that little verse. First Chronicles 10, 13. Um, all right. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Saul's crowning sin was consulting familiar spirits. Now we'll go to Second Chronicles 33. Second Chronicles 33, 1-6. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Baalim, and he made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He basically was letting Satan come in and rule Jerusalem, wasn't he? He was the king and he was going to Satan for all of his guidance and devils, spirits of devils. Manasseh dealt with familiar spirits. 2 Kings chapter 17. Okay. 15 to 18. No, 17 and 18. 2 Kings 17, 17 and 18. Um. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Oh, wow. Israel went into captivity because they used divinations and enchantments. He had to put a stop to their going to Satan for guidance, didn't he? Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verses 9 through 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations 
the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to find where I am now. 9 to 14. Okay. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God, for these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Okay, we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 17. Second Kings chapter 17, 15 through 18. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers, and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain, and went after the heathen that were around about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire, and used divination and enchantments, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Wow, they really went for it, didn't they? The heathen nations were spiritualists. They dealt with familiar spirits. Second Kings 17 Verses 16 and 17. Okay. We read that already, but I'll, I'll just say here that it wants to point out that spiritualism was always connected with Baal or sun worship. It said that they worshipped the host of heaven and served Baal. The host of heaven, and that's like the planets and Baal. And Deuteronomy 32, 17. Deuteronomy... 17. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Okay, so you can 17, 16, and 17. Okay. Psalms 106, 37. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to devils. Wow. Sacrificing their children. Leviticus 17, 7. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, after whom they have gone a-whoring. There shall be a statute forever unto them throughout their generations. The heathen Baal worship was devil worship. This was the principal adversary against the cause of God till about the 6th century A.D. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. We're almost finished. Just two more verses. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Two more references, rather. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. 
And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And woman, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband, and he did eat. The first spiritualist medium was the serpent. The devil spoke directly through the serpent to Eve. Now our last reference, Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. Hmm. Let's see. And then they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay, now let's just summarize everything that we have learned. <laughs> my kitty's trying to get my attention, oh dear. Okay, ancient spiritualism. Sorcerers influenced Pharaoh. There were spiritualist mediums, anciently called witches, wizards. They were an abomination. There, Hezekiah consult not Hezekiah, Ahaziah consulted one for sickness. There were familiar spirits that professed to be spirits of dead people. Saul's crowning sin was to consult a familiar spirit. Manasseh dealt with, King Manasseh dealt with uh, familiar spirits. Israel went into captivity because they used divination and enchantments. The heathen nations were spiritualists. They dealt with familiar spirits. Spiritualism always connected with Baal or sun worship. The heathen Baal worship was devil worship which was worshiping the sun god on Sundays. This was the principal adversary against the cause of God until about the 6th century. The first spiritualist medium was a serpent. The devil spoke directly through the serpent. And when asked to consult with familiar spirits, um, turn to the law and to the testimony to be sure that you know where they, you can identify them. Because there's no light in them. All right. Thank you, brothers and sisters. This has been a long study. But, and I won't talk about how it is mo modern spiritualism. That's tomorrow's study. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for these verses and this information that can give us knowledge and wisdom in knowing how to combat against evil in our day. We pray for your protection, for our guardian angels, for our understanding. We ask for wisdom, for you've promised that we could come to you for it and you would give it to us abundantly. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining me in this, and I'll see you in the morning.